Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, March 4th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. On today's wildcard show, we're going to talk a little more healthcare today. Austin made the point earlier that this is, I think, what, four weeks in a row now for healthcare? But you know what? We used to be nothing but healthcare on Wednesdays, and it's kind of a healthcare time right now with all of this coronavirus stuff going on. And uh, so, hey, why not? We'll take another wildcard Wednesday. We'll do some healthcare today. We're going to dig into a new IPO, a company called One Life Healthcare. Uh, we're also going to check in on my healthcare and wealthcare basket to see how things are going now that we've gotten through the gist of earnings season. And joining me today to make sense of it all, it's my friend and colleague Brian Feraldi. And Brian, you know, you just you just made the point before we started taping. This is the first industry focus that we've ever done together, which is bizarre to me, but it's nevertheless true. Jason, so great to finally be chatting with you in a recorded manner. This is wonderful. Well, I was looking forward to it, and I'm glad we get to do this. Um, before we get started, you know, yesterday was a bit of a oh, let's just call it a volatile day in the markets. Uh, how were how were you handling yesterday's uh, yesterday's big plummet? Yeah, the funny thing for me is that uh, I was actually away yesterday on a uh, field trip for my uh, my son's uh, fourth grade school. We actually went out to a local um, wilderness uh, place that we have that's owned by our local university here, and we were out uh, there until eight o'clock at night. And uh, after the sun went down, we were recreating what it was like to uh, travel on the Underground Railroad in uh, the pitch black. And we were walking around, and these kids were terrified because we ran into some seedy characters along the way. But history came alive for me. So it was very fun to come back and I say, oh, what happened with the markets on the day that I took off? Oh, another another fun day. So I had a great time and didn't give one lick of care about what was happening with the markets. Nah, it sounds like you're just getting them prepped for that Halloween hayride a little bit early this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we had some kids that were absolutely terrified. It's so funny how you just when it's when it's dark out, if you're walking around outside, kids get scared fast. Yeah, yep. Yeah, they they certainly do. Um well yeah, probably probably best that you just ignore yesterday anyway. These days it seems like it, we're just waiting for the headline to sort of dictate how the market's gonna behave any given day. And today it's uh, certainly uh the Better day. Um, we wanted to dig into what's a pretty new company here to the public markets, and um, you know it, it's an interesting business model, particularly as healthcare is is under the microscope here during during this election season. Uh, the company One Life Healthcare, the ticker is O N E M. Uh, talk to us a little bit, Brian, about One Life Healthcare. You've been able to dig in now. Um, what what is this business, One Life Healthcare? What do they do? Yeah, I'm glad that I, I believe one of our listeners brought this this uh, company to our uh, attention, and I'd never uh, heard of it before. But uh, this is a company that just came public uh, in January of uh, this year, and their their mission is uh, to transform healthcare for all through a human centered, technology powered model. And this company was uh, founded in uh, 2007 
by an entrepreneur, a healthcare entrepreneur named uh, Tom Lee. And what they've pioneered is a membership-based uh, primary care uh, platform. And just some quick stats on the stock. So this company, again, came public in January. Uh, they raised $245 million. They, they priced their IPO at uh, 14. And even though the markets have been crazy volatile, this stock is about at 20 um, today. So they popped on their first day and they've actually uh, held up uh, pretty well, even through these uh, volatile a couple of weeks. But uh, so the big problem this company is trying to solve is um, to fix everything that's wrong with the primary care uh, system in the U.S. So uh, in, in, in the United States, we only spend about 5% to 7% of our healthcare dollars on primary care. And if you compare that to um, you know, the average uh, developed nation, they spend about 14% of their budget on primary care. And the reason that that matters is Every dollar that you spend on primary care and preventative care uh, can lead to about $13 in cost savings down the road on specialty care. I mean, with healthcare, you know, intervention and upfront investments can really pay off. So One Life Healthcare is on a mission to kind of fix all the pain points that exist in the primary uh, care model today. So as uh, I'm sure our listeners know that uh, they, they see a family medicine there could be enormous uh, wait times to get in to see a doctor. Uh, you show up, and there's often a long wait to just get in to, to see them. Uh, the, your touch points with your physician are uh, very infrequent, and that this, these uh, stresses also lead to huge dissatisfaction on the provider side as well. So about 50% of primary care by, uh primary care providers uh, report burnout. And a big reason why is that our entire system is is incentivized around fee-for-service. So they have huge pressure on them to just see patient after patient after patient throughout the day. And they also have this enormous enormous number of um, administrative tasks that they have to um, handle on on a daily basis too. So about half of primary carers report burnout. So One Life is kind of pioneering a solution that addresses all of these problems um, and try and is trying to fix the primary care system to just make it better for everyone. Yeah, and I mean that primary care system. That's really, I mean, that's where it all starts, right? I mean, if you you have something that you need to go to the doctor for, something as you mentioned earlier, something specific, you have to go see a specialist. I mean, typically that requires a referral uh, or a consult with a primary care physician anyway to get that ball rolling. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I could certainly understand where that burnout comes into play and. I mean, when you consider the fact that we are, in fact, running into a shortage of doctors, uh, along with really a global population at this point that is demanding more and more healthcare services, I mean, you can see how the supply and demand uh, continuum works there. I mean, we're going to start <laughs> we're going to start running into some problems, and and, and certainly uh, it's not just the bandwidth of of the number of physicians to actually service. Uh, patients, but but then also the economics behind it all. In, in speaking of economics, how how does um, how does how does One Life make their money? I mean, how does the money flow through their system? What do they do for to generate revenue? Yeah, so these guys uh, primarily open up uh, primary care offices, and right now they're in nine uh, markets throughout the U.S. So all of like the big cities like uh, San Francisco, L.A., Seattle, New York, Boston, uh, etc. They're in nine major markets, and their model is to charge. Um, 
each of their members an annual uh, fee of uh, $199 per year. And what that fee buys them is the, the ability to use any of One Life Solutions um, clinics. And they also get access to uh, their technology platform. And this, and this platform makes it very easy for patients to get in touch with um, a provider uh, uh, quickly. So they can actually, they, um, once you're in their kind of, uh, once you're in their system, you can book an appointment with your physician uh, that same day or, or, or the next day. You compare that to the average you know, um, family practice, it's, it's an average wait time of 29 days. So wow. we're talking about very fast um, care. And they also say that, you know, they state that their, their um, providers only service about half the number of patients that the average provider sees. So that allows them to really spend quality time with each, uh, each patient and also help to make sure that their appointments actually start on time. And I'm sure that is something that appeals to every single person <laughs> that is listening to this show. I mean, geez, how much would you be willing to pay if your provider just actually your appointment started um, on time? And uh, the, the, what, the way that this model works for um, the physicians is that uh, on the physician side – Physicians are just paid on uh, a salary. There's there's limited bonuses and and um, there's no extra compensation. They're not compensated on a fee for service basis, which is just rampant in the industry. So that reduces a huge amount of financial pressure, so that providers can actually spend that quality time um, with with their patient. And the platform, the uh, the health records platform that uh, One Life has um, created in the background, uh, supposedly reduces the um, administrative tasks that is placed on the physicians by almost half. So it's a really attractive model for um, primary care providers because they're seeing less patients per on, on a daily basis, get to spend more time with them, and has a, and has a lower administrative burden. So this model is really designed again to appeal to both consumers and healthcare providers. Yeah, it's almost like it just it makes me think a little bit of of a uh, of a country club. I mean, it's almost like you know you're paying your your annual or your monthly membership fee to be a member at a club, and you get to go play. Uh, golf and and you know you could play ten times a month or five times a month or one time a month and it's just going to cost you what it costs you uh, in in the form of a membership fee and in this case you know we're talking about healthcare um, and, and it seems to be something aimed at uh, solving ultimately what is becoming a big problem going back to that whole supply and demand problem in in figuring out a way to scale healthcare I mean to bring healthcare to more people uh, and to make it more efficient more uh, more uh, I don't want to say enjoyable but at least tolerable. Um, this has it's a company that has the backing, obviously, of some very important partners. Not not to mention a a strong insider presence as well. So let's talk a little bit about the founder here, Tom Lee, the CEO uh, Amir Rubin. They hold stakes in the company that are uh, fairly respectable. Uh, not to mention some other big partners that we may have heard of as well, right? Yeah. So these guys have uh, were. Um, funded have been funded by uh, Carlyle Group, uh, some other major venture capitalist first, uh, firms, and they also have uh, financial backing from uh, Alphabet. So these guys have attracted a 
deep bench of uh, committed, long-term, well-capitalized investors, and that has really allowed them to invest a lot of money up front to to build the platform from the ground up that the way they they want it to be. And and more recently, after after you know they they came public, um, this company currently has a cash balance of about four hundred and ten million dollars that it now has access to to continue to fund to build out um, this network across the country. And that's important because when you're building out this 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 model, it's very expensive. I mean, they're hiring doctors, they're building out um, a physician, uh, they're they're the clinics, um, they're hiring like crazy, and they're at the simultaneously making this big investment into this custom platform uh, to manage all of the uh, the patient's health records and the technology that kind of goes behind that. So a lot of uh, investment up front. But when you see that these guys have the backing of these huge, deep-pocketed uh, investors, that certainly has given this company a big edge. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of? This makes me think of in a couple of our, our flagship services here, our, our, our stock advisor and rule breaker services, uh, which are the stock recommendation services, as, as I'm sure most, if not all, listeners know. Uh, you know, we we have features in those services every year. We talk about our core stocks. Uh, you know, the, the the core holdings that we feel like if anybody's going to follow these services and you're looking to get invested, these are the core bedrock holdings that we think you know you ought to own. And those core stocks change year to year, and and they change uh, by virtue of the team. Going in there, deliberating and figuring out what they believe the core stocks should be, but it's it's about starting from the ground and working your way up. It's not about replacing one core stock with the other. It's about essentially starting over again and building something today with with the knowledge that we have today. It does seem like, in one life's case, they're they're not trying to unwind or unravel all of this red tape that is ultimately plagued our healthcare system. It's like they're trying to start fresh with a new concept, a new idea to see, hey, what if we just decided, what if we chose to take healthcare in this direction? How could that work? I mean, this could be the start of something really important, I think, in the landscape of our healthcare system, don't you think? Yeah, I think so too, and uh, I do. Th- I do like your point there, and it is worth pointing out that um, a One Life does work with um, your existing uh, insurance provider. So this is not uh, this is not like totally out of left field, and it's just purely a one hundred ninety nine dollar fee for the year. These guys do bill uh, your current insurance uh, company for their range of services. They've just pioneered a different model, um, really behind the scenes, especially on the uh, provider side with the compensation to make sure. That the the model kind of works better uh, for everybody, and it's also worth pointing out that these guys do have active partnerships with big healthcare systems that uh, are that, that want access to One Life's growing network of uh, um, of primary care physicians. So they're they've already struck deals with um, UCFF. Uh, UCSF uh, Health Systems in San Francisco, uh, UC San Diego, uh, Dignity Health, Providence St. Joseph. So these big health pl- uh, platforms are now plugged into uh, One Life's um, uh, EHR system to provide the primary care and get them get their members access to um, those additional services through their health network. So these guys are really solving pain points across the board. And this is... Um, 
from a financial perspective, this has proven to be very attractive uh, for employers uh, because it's a very high-touch model on the primary care side. Uh, one of the stats that uh, One Life touts is that there's a 41% reduction in emergency room visits for its members once they join the platform. Wow. So that leads to, yeah, I mean, huge potential cost savings. The overall cost savings that they're reporting uh, when employers switch to them is about an 8% drop in total. Uh, Total, total cost savings, but um, that does not include uh, the potential for employees that are sick to get back to work faster. So there could also be some other knock-on effects down the road. So again, th- their model is supposed to appeal to consumers, employers, health systems, and providers. And the growth that we've seen thus far does show that there is something to this. Okay, so let's talk about that growth for a second, because while I, th- I think we've painted a pretty neat picture of this company, and, and I certainly, uh, you know, Interested in learning more? I mean, there there are, there are no investments that uh, that that come without risks, right? I mean, there are going to be risks involved with this business, particularly given that it, it is so new to the public markets. Uh, what are some of the key risks for a business like this today? Yeah. So before we talk the risk, I'd like to talk about just how fast this company is growing to give our listeners some perspective. So for the first nine months of 2019, that's the data that we have when they uh, filed their uh, regulatory filings to go public. Uh, this company reported 29% top line growth. Uh, so total revenue was about 199 million, and they report a fun metric called their care margin, which is basically their their gross margin. And uh, that number came in at 40%, and that that figure was up uh, 500 basis points over the, the year ago period. So we're seeing decent um, top line growth, especially for a primary care focused um, facility, as well as a, a good margin, a margin that, uh, that, that uh, I was actually um, pretty impressed with. Uh, however, we did talk about this company is funding a number of growth initiatives, um, and that is very expensive. They're also hiring like crazy. So the net loss that this company produced in just the first nine months of 2019 uh, was $46 million. You annualize that, you're probably talking about a 60 to 65 million dollar loss. So it is obvious why they went public. They do need access to capital yep. and they do have 410 million in cash um, as after after the IPO. So that buys them a decent amount of runway. But there's no doubt that this company is probably going to be operating at a loss um, for the next couple of years as they continue to invest and build out the network. So given what we know today and given given the Given the risks involved, particularly on the growth side, there, what what's your bottom line takeaway with a company like this? Yeah, I think this company is definitely interesting. I mean, once we started to to dig into it, um, I think that I do like uh, their model. I do think that it's kind of solving a number of pain points. Um, and the one that I'm the most impressed with is actually the healthcare provider uh, pain point because that's something that is almost never talked about. But I know that that burnout is definitely real. So if I was a provider, I would definitely find uh, this this system to be far more attractive if I was a primary care provider than, than, than the alternative. Um, and then there's also... We haven't touched upon valuation yet, but this company did come public uh, at a pretty rich uh, valuation. They're currently trading about nine times uh, sales. Their estimated growth for next year is about um, 22%. So that's not the fastest growth rate that we've talked about in the show before. And nine (laughs) times sales certainly is a rich valuation. Um, So my my takeaway after kind of digging in is uh, I think there's a lot to like here. Uh, I'm personally not interested at given the, the valuation and the sales numbers, but I do think that this company is in a great position to uh, consolidate a very fragmented industry and could grow at a double-digit rate for many, many years. How about you? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it, it is a it's a fascinating business. I love the idea of trying to make the healthcare system better, and for that, I, I mean, I, I just give them a tip of the cap. Um, as as with most IPOs, I mean, I'm going to adopt my rule of I'm going to at least give them a couple of quarters to report earnings and understand better how management communicates the vision, communicates the strategy, communicates the results. Um, so I, I would say it's safe to say we just keep this one on the radar. Definitely follow it. Want to learn more about it? And uh, and and hey, who knows? A year from now, this may seem like a little bit more of an obvious uh, obvious idea. Yeah, I think that that's the, a great point. With when it comes to IPOs, there's so many factors that can affect the share price um, in the short term. Then you're talking about you know insiders get locked up, have uh, they can't sell, but after a certain number of days they can sell. So kind of crazy things can happen uh, to the stock price after the IPO. We don't also don't know what's this company going to be like once they have the pressure of the public eye and Wall Street en- um, estimates are over their head and all that kind of stuff. So it is always a trying time, but that's that's one of the reasons. But we do preach: wait a couple of quarters, uh, see how they're doing, see how they handle being public, and then if you if you're still happy, dive in. Well, it's always nice to get another stock idea on the radar. And as a reminder for all of those out there looking for more stock ideas, because let's face it, if you're listening to this show, then you're probably always looking for more stock ideas. So why not check out our stock advisor service? You'll get stock recommendations from David and Tom Gardner every month, Best Buys Now, and a whole lot more. Just go to if.fool.com to take advantage of a special 50% discount we have for our listeners. Make sure to check it out at if.fool.com. Okay, Brian, let's jump into the healthcare and wealth care basket. Uh, for those out there who are familiar, then you know what I'm talking about. For those who are not, this is a basket of stocks that I put together uh, a little while back in order to try to capitalize on the healthcare market opportunity that exists out there today. And, and this was a basket. We put it together back in February of 2018. The date of inception is actually February 9th. 2018. That's where we're tracking returns. And the basket itself, it's much like that war on cash basket I always talk about. This is just a healthcare focused basket. And it consists of United Health Group, Teladoc, Massimo, and IDEX Laboratories. And that last one, IDEX, if you're not familiar with it, yeah, I mean, listen, pets. Pets matter too, right? This is this is a pet healthcare company, and pets matter too. One of my favorite market opportunities out there. But we figure with earnings season wrapping up here, and with the four components of this basket having reported, uh, we go ahead and just take a look at the status, see how the returns are doing, uh, talk a little bit about the companies in the basket, uh, things they're doing well, maybe areas where we'd like to see them do better. Uh, but to give a quick look at the returns picture. The, the since inception, uh, February 9, thousand and eighteen, the the basket itself has returned in total one hundred sixteen point five percent, and that compares to the market's twenty one point two percent. So we can see that the healthcare and wealthcare basket is outperforming nicely. It's done very well for investors in the short time that it's been in existence, and thankfully, uh, I can say, Brian, that it is it is. Contributions from all four components. All four components of the of the basket are in positive return territory. They're all four outperforming the market, and uh, so I figured we could jump in here and talk a little bit about some of these companies today, uh, just to give a, a review for listeners what they do and and why we like them. And and uh, let's go ahead and just start with the one that I I've just been. Uh, 
you know, fascinated with ever since they went public about five years ago, Teladoc Health. Uh, I, I think that uh, when we talk about changing the healthcare system, telemedicine is certainly a topic of discussion that is is uh, taking up more and more time these days, and, and rightly so because. Uh, it, it is really helping bring more efficiency into the healthcare system and scale healthcare, which is, as we're seeing, is is a big concern. Yeah, and and anybody that's listening to you for a long time knows that you've been beating the drop on Teladoc Health <laughs> basically for the last uh, couple of years. So you really have uh, nailed this one so far. But uh, so Teladoc is the leading provider of uh, telemedicine, so just video conferencing with a doctor to uh, get uh, symptoms done. And obviously, the interest in this company has just skyrocketed in the last couple of weeks, given uh, the huge um, epidemic of uh, coronavirus. The idea that you can interact with a healthcare provider without leaving your home, without risking anything. Thing. Uh, that has really caught Wall Street's um, attention. But uh, this company has just been on fire. They just reported um, really great uh, quarterly results. We saw um, U.S. paid members grow 61%. So now th- almost 37 million Americans uh, have access uh, to, this flat, uh, to this platform. Uh, total visits, so the number of people that are actually using the platform, grew 57% to 4.1 million uh, during the quarter. Um, that's, that's great to see. Revenue grew uh, 27%. And the the bulk of that was uh, organic in nature, which means that it was um, just natural to the platform. It wasn't acquired growth because Teladoc has been uh, quite acquisitive in its history to uh, to drive uh, that top line higher. And uh, for 2020, we basically saw that they're calling for more of the same, uh, big uh, big top line growth, big growth in uh, member visits, and Wall Street just ate it up. This this stock has been red hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, it does seem like this is a time, a point in time in. in uh, history where we're getting, I think, some some pretty pretty uh, reasonable buy-in from from all parties involved regarding the merits of telemedicine. It just, it, you know, again, it's not it's not meant to replace our current healthcare system. It's simply meant to make it better. What they always talk about is is this concept of the front door, right? They they feel like they are better positioned to be the natural first step in pursuing your healthcare transaction, whatever may be wrong. And, and clearly, tele, telemedicine isn't meant for every uh, ailment, but there, there are certainly plenty of them where, where it works out very well as being that first step you take uh, in going to the doctor. And so, yeah, you're seeing more and more healthcare uh, systems, more HMOs, more insurance companies adopting these services. And, and, and Teladoc's certainly not the only company out there doing it, but you, know, you mentioned the point about being rather acquisitive, and there's no question they have been acquisitive over the past few years. And I think a lot of that is really uh, in an effort to build out what they just consider to be the most comprehensive offering out there. So, uh, yeah, so far, so good. We'll keep our eyes on it, but I like what I'm seeing so far. Uh, let's take a look at Massimo real quick, and a company that probably not not a lot of people are as familiar with Massimo. I, I actually, you know, I, I ran across this company back in 2011 when we were running our real money portfolios here on Fool.com, and it just struck me as a fascinating business because of what they do, and it, it's this work in pulse oximetry, which is is what sparked my interest. And it ultimately, pulse oximetry is just a, you know, they're tools that measure the oxygen levels in your blood, and if you're in the hospital, then you you need to have that measurement kept track of. Uh, and so, founder Joe Kiani came up with uh, technology that he developed and built out in his garage. Turns out it worked pretty well, and now he's got what looks like a $1 billion revenue business at this point. Uh, have you ever taken a look at Massimo, Brian? 
Oh, yes, I have. And I, I, I love it when uh, founders are still uh, running the show. And that is something that really attracts me to Massimo. And for, the, for our listeners, that ticker there is M-A-S-I. And they've probably interacted with this company if you've ever been to the hospital or a doctor. And they've put in that little clip on your finger or toe, and yep. they've told you what your uh, blood oxygen uh, level is. So that is uh, Massimo is basically bread and butter. And uh, this company is is a razor and blade uh, business model that I know has worked very well for many uh, healthcare companies. I and Massimo is certainly models. no differently. Those are the yeah, best it's, models. It's, <laughs> I, I completely agree. It's one of the things that I look for in any potential uh, medical device company is the recurring revenue. And that's exactly what Ma- uh, Massimo has in spades. And, you know, last quarter, in the fourth quarter, we saw basically a continuation of, of the same growth that we've seen uh, from this company for year after year. So top line growth was, was you know, 12%, uh, which is pretty good for a company of this size. Um, their gross margin is expanding and their operating margin is expanding. So that's something that is music to my years as an investor. I love it when companies can consistently uh, grow their top line at a double-digit rate and use margin enhancements um, throughout the income statement to just lead to even faster uh, growth on the bottom line. And and the bottom line here is the this is a this is a company that's just doing what it's set out to do for for next year. They're basically calling for. Uh, t- uh, 11% uh, top line growth and continued margin enhancements. So they, they have made some investments to kind of build out uh, their, their product offering. And um, I think this is a great um, slow and steady uh, market beater. I think this is a great pick. Yeah, yeah, I like it too. I own it personally. I think I'll be hanging on to those shares for a while. Uh, let's take a real quick look at United Health. Uh, this is obviously the behemoth in the space, the biggest insurer out there. Uh, some people love it, some people hate it, but the bottom line is that they are going to be a fixture in our healthcare system for a long time to come. And uh, hey, listen, it's been a nice day for United Health thus far. I think that's probably a little bit more political in nature, given the results uh, that we're seeing pouring from Super Tuesday. Uh, but regardless, uh, it's still a a business that is is doing very well, making a lot of money. I mean, nineteen percent growth in earnings uh, for the quarter here. Outlook for twenty twenty. Calling for somewhere in the neighborhood of sixteen dollars and forty cents or so in earnings per share for at the midpoint, and you know they keep their medical care ratio in check. Lower is better, right? I mean that means that they're able to to you know not have to overspend on 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 healthcare, right? They're being efficient and effective. Hopefully, being effective. What 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 do you think about United Health these days, given its size and position in the space? Yeah, and to give uh, listeners a, a sense of this company's scale, I mean, this this company's market cap is two hundred and seventy billion. It is a monster <laughs> of, of of a company. I mean, and in a land of healthcare giants, United Health is the biggest giant. So it's incredibly impressive to see a company of this size uh, producing nineteen uh, percent growth. And the really fascinating thing about this company is, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen this stock trade wildly. Yep. I mean, we're talking about double digit moves, which is just an enormous. Uh, bump in market cap, both up and down, basically based on the latest um, news out of the, um, the, the, the elections. So yep. whether or not there's going to be a candidate that that's, uh, earns a Democratic ticket for that's pushing uh, Medicare for all or not. So uh, normally, this is a slow and steady, doesn't move much company uh, <laughs> stock, but really, that volatility has been amped up. But um, no, no matter what, this is a very um, steady eddy performer. It just keeps doing kind of what it does, to your point. Their, their medical care 
share ratios are kind of going to bounce bounce around, but overall, this company has proven to be a uh, steady eddy performer. But there's no doubt that uh, this year is good, probably going to see some big volatility for all of the health insurers based on uh, the way that the 2020 elections go. So that is something for investors to keep in mind. Yeah, and, and given our conversation on Teladoc just a little bit earlier, United Health is making investments in telemedicine and digital as well. Uh, they've got this thing called virtual visits, of which Teladoc is actually a provider. So I just thought that was very interesting to see that relationship there. Competitors, I'm sure, but they are also partners in that value chain, and that's always fun to see. Um, Okay, let's get to the last stock in the basket, one that really tugs on my heartstrings, Brian, and it's because I have three dogs at home. IDEX Labs, uh, talk about razor and blade models. This is another one, isn't it? Yeah, these guys are focused on the the uh, the pet care market. So if you've ever been to the vet, if you have a pet and taken them in for any kind of diagnostic test, the odds are pretty good that IDEX IDEX Labs is making money off of you. <laughs> and they have uh, the razor uh, and blade uh, business model. So they place these systems, and then they get recurring revenue from these system sales. And you want to talk about another company that has just been a steady, eddy, consistent performer? Uh, this company has just consistently grown uh, the top line at the low double digits and just margin enhancements uh, up and down the income statement to produce double-digit growth in the bottom line. This has been a monster winner uh, for investors over the long time, and we all know that spending on pets is going nowhere but up as pets continue to become more and more seen as members of the family. So just a, a steady a steady business and um, a great performer. Yeah, you know, I was just actually at the vet yesterday taking our youngest dog in for his annual checkup, shots, all that good stuff. And I mean, as you can imagine, with three dogs, I spend a decent amount of time at the vet, just taking them in for regular visits. And um, our, we've we've had our same vet here for the last ten years. We've been here, and, and they're just a wonderful practice. And I always ask him about IDEX when I go in because he uses IDEX equipment. And it's always nice to get sort of that boots on the ground perspective from folks using that kind of stuff. And and he never wavers from this. He always comes back. You know what? IDEX is the best. And it's not because they're the cheapest. He says it's because they have the best research. They're research that lets them develop new and and, uh, exciting products that are making his job ultimately easier and helping uh, you know, we talk about better outcomes in, in regard to patient care as, as far as people go. It's leading to the same type of thing: better outcomes as far as uh, as far as pet care goes. And so, yeah, diagnostics are a big deal because it helps see around some of those corners and prevent some problems. And we saw another healthcare and animal healthcare company, Zoetis, which is another favorite of mine. And honestly, it probably should be the wild card in this basket. <laughs> uh, Zoetis is focused more on the vaccines and, and whatnot. Uh, but they recently made an acquisition of Abaxis, which is in the diagnostics uh, market as well. And I think that acquisition was meant to give Zoetis a little bit more competitive uh, stance there against a company like IDEX. But but clearly, IDEX is is continuing to lead the way. And I think for me, what I constantly keep an eye on with them is just what they're spending on research and development. They just they have such a good business model that allows them to keep on spending on research and development. And if I ever saw that number start ticking down, that's when I would actually start worrying about this business because there's not a whole heck of a lot out there I'm worried about with them. It just seems like veterinary are okay with the pricing because the products and in the the equipment is just so good. 
Yeah, and one thing that I personally like about IDEX and any any business that's involved with pet care is there is health. It's healthcare, but there's zero insurance risk. Right, you're not dealing with uh, third party purveyors. It is a cash pay business, and that is very very attractive. So there's no really uh, re- there's a much less reduced risk on anything changing in the industry. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, we we know there is pet insurance out there, but that you know that that's not really the majority of the market there. It is for the for the most part a cash business, and that yeah, another really attractive part of, of IDEX there. So uh, yeah, you know that's that's a review of the healthcare and wellcare basket again. It seems like the returns are really telling telling the gist of the story there. Uh, clearly, I'm I'm thrilled with its performance, and um, as as an owner of a number of those companies. In fact, I think United Health Group is the only one I don't own, Brian. And I think maybe this is going to be a good year to look for one of those dips and perhaps add some shares of that to my portfolio just just to have all my bases covered. <laughs> I, I would bet that you're going to get your chance if this year. Yes. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know if you have any good basket ideas, or just tell us about the last stock that you bought. Brian, man, listen, this was, I think, the first of hopefully many to come. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Sounds good to me, Jason. You know, I'm always available. All right, folks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass this week. For Brian Feraldi, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 